Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are now in the Corner Booth Podcast, a sports podcast from Billy Up Sports and the Billy Up Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jared Clay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Corner Booth Podcast. I apologize to all of our loyal listeners, which we surprisingly have a lot of. Thank you all so much again for being loyal to us. We were on a little hiatus last week, scheduling conflicts and miscommunications. Not It did not allow us to do an episode, but we gave you guys a special treat to bring you back. My good friend, friend of me, uh, baseball enthusiast and Cowboys fan, Mr. Jack O'Hara is back. By again. It was good that you uh, apologized to your viewers right off the bat. That's a good start to the show. Well, it was not my fault. Let's just put it that way. We'll, we, they can blame the other two knuckleheads because it was basically their fault. And may I mention, Jared, back-to-back episodes. You didn't have me on for nearly four months, and now I'm on back-to-back shows. That is true. Ratings are spiking if you haven't checked Pinecast in a while. <sighs> well, I have to go back and check. Actually, I think our last podcast with you, because you actually punch out, you like share stuff like a fiend, which my fellow corner booth uh, cohorts, sometimes I have to give them a little needle in the butt for them to start moving. But, uh, you know, maybe it's because this is my podcast, so maybe I'm a little more uh, gung-ho than they are. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm excited to have you back on, buddy. We got a lot of football to talk today. Um, I've got to put something to bed in last call. And um, it's about, ironically, Thursday night, last Thursday night. And, um, Jack, baseball postseason starts, dude. we gotta talk some, We got to talk some postseason. Uh, I'm anxious. Do you feel the anxiety? It's well, October tomorrow. I know. Well, listen, I, I did win the bet, but you won the war, kind of, with the Diamondbacks-Yankees thing. My D-backs, of course, finished at 85 wins. Second highest win total, third highest win total they've had since, like, I don't even know. But like that made them, that got them in the wild card two years ago. So which is shows how good the NL is this year. Uh, a lot of good teams. I I'm not upset because my D-backs are gonna be good in about a year. I'm telling, um, folks, I will make a, a bold call right now, Jack. My Diamondbacks will are gonna either make a wild card or win the division next year, and there's no doubt in my mind. I, I I'm telling you that team Are the is, Dodgers cleaning house. No, but the Dodgers, the Dodgers have one knock on them that gives me some hope is that I just saw Jansen get roughed up towards the end of the year. That's so I, think, and- I think the wild card is doable because they made it doable this year. And yeah. honestly, besides from the Dodgers and maybe the Braves, 
Everybody in the NL is up for grabs. The well, and also, the Cardinals didn't re-sign Goldie. So he'll, he'll be a free agent at the end of the year. And then you're looking at um, – I mean, the NL Central. I mean, and the Brewers, yeah, they're going to have Yelich back. and But you never know with that team because their bullpen's not great. I don't know. It's, every team in the NL has a flaw, and that's what's so funny to me. The only perfect team is the, is the team that I'm basically going to pick to win the World Series. Don't take this personally, the Houston Astros. That team is so loaded at every – now, your Yankees are the one team that I think can knock them off. Ironically, they play in the same – they play in this, they play in the same league. But I, I only wish the Astros were still in the NL. Yankees-Astros World Series would be lit. But – Listen, I was actually – because I knew the three-headed monster in Houston, Verlander, Cole, Granke. They have Wade Miley, who's had an, an awesome year too. Also, full Diamondback. I, I knew, yeah, whatever. That was a dark day on deadline day when they got him at the last second. But Verlander, Cole, and Grady. We did good on that deal, dude. We got like three young pitchers that are all pitching well. I was not upset at all about that deal. No, but Verlander, Cole, and Grady, I knew it would be tough going into the postseason. I only just checked their uh, final season stat lines yesterday. Yeah. If I wasn't petrified before, I'm petrified now for the ALCS if it's Yankees-Astros. Justin Verlander went... 21 and 6 this year with a 2.85 ERA. Uh, Garrett Cole went 20 and 5 with a 2.86 ERA, and then Zach Granke, an 18 game winner, 18 and 5 with a 3 ERA. Those are insane numbers for a 1-2-3 punch. To be Arthur, fair, 12 of those wins were with Arizona. Out, yeah, granted, uh, and the, he beat the Yankees in May this year as a Chase Field. But our three starter made two starts this season. Luis Severino, two mm-hmm. starts. It's it's insane to me, and um, I just <laughs> I I think now the, the, your Yankees are fairly healthy now. If I do recall, you guys are so going into Game One against the Twins on Friday. This will be the first time all season that we have our opening day lineup. That's insane to me, but I think it's also kind of a nod to Aaron Boone that y'all are where you are. Dude, so the first manager in history to reach 200 wins in two seasons. 100, 162 last year, 103 and 59 in this year, 103 and 59 the record for the Yankees this year. May I add that that was their record in 2009, the last time they won the World Series. As a, I am not a Yankees fan. I was a prox. They're like my second or third team because I have most of my family's from Jersey, so they're all. I did have a Yankees hat growing up. I, I loved a Rod, so I would root for the Yankees. My snakes were out, so I do pull for the Yankees when my Diamondbacks are not in. But I also do love the Astros because they have my boy George Springer, UConn, what up, and my other boy, Alex Bregman. <laughs> I love Bregman. He's mo- also because Bregman basically is the bane of the Red Sox existence, which just makes it even better. Oh, yeah. I feel like everybody's a Bregman guy, honestly, with everything that he does on social media. He, he's so he's, – he's hilarious. He's a baseball – he is what people wanted like Harper and Mike Trout to be. Yeah. Also, Bregman's an LSU. Bregman has the uh, personality, but he's kind of a jackass, if I might say so myself. As another jackass, I agree. Mike Trout, on the other hand, obviously best player in the game, vanilla personality, where Alex Bregman is a great player and has that charisma, but he's not cocky. You know, he gives back to the community. He's a favorite in the eyes of everybody around baseball. Everybody respects him. I know, and it's it's crazy to me. I, I love Bregman. Me and Bregman almost were classmates, by the way. Yeah, tell me that story. 
Um, my dream school was LSU, and uh, I was about to apply there. If it wasn't for certain factors, I'm not going to – personal life factors that I kind of just put first before me applying because my SATs were somehow good enough to get in there, so my grades, and I had enough extracurriculars where I could have gone. And it was only like a thousand dollars more or less. It was like right around where I, what I paid for Southern Connecticut. So me and Alex Bregman were almost uh, classmates at LSU. So that would be funny. Yeah, almost doesn't mean you were though. So. I mean, that's probably my biggest regret from college is not going to LSU, like which I wanted. But you know, whatever. It, it led me down this road to belly up, so I can be grateful for that. Um, let's get started talking football because we got a lot of stuff to cover before we switch over to MLB. Um, we'll start Thursday. Eagles-Packers. The Packers. Oh, this is all I heard all week. Jack, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rant for a minute. If you, you Just kick your arms back. Kick back. Crack up with a beer. The Philadelphia Eagles, I heard all week, had no shot, and I kept my mouth shut. Because all I heard was the Packers 3-0, best defense in football. Only two people picked the Philadelphia Eagles. Colleen Wolf and Colin Cowherd. The only two te- people I saw, there were more probably, but the two people I saw picked those guys, picked the team. And I said to myself, I'm like, huh. And I thought about Cowherd's point. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, wait a minute. The Packers played Denver Broncos, Chicago Bears, Minnesota Vikings. Jack, you're a smart, educated man. What is the common theme of all three of those offenses? I'm sorry. You told me to kick back, but uh, I'm going to say their passing games are pretty strong. Basically, their quarterbacks, me, Jack, you and me have a shot at, the, on, at playing on those teams for quarterback. It's that bad. Case uh, Keenum, Case Keenum, uh, not Case Keenum. Sorry, force habit. Kirk Cousins oh, robbed the Minnesota Vikings of $84 million in about three, four years of wasted games. Because basically he is petrified of playing in big spots. And that that offense is inept unless they hand Dalvin Cook the ball. Mitch, Mitch Trubisky may be the biggest joke of a quarterback I've ever seen. The fact that he gets so much like hype just cracks me up. Everyone was saying like, oh, he's going to have his Carson Wentz year. Now that he's got another year under his belt. I'm like, nah, amigo, because Wentz has pure talent. Trubisky was horse crap in college. No, I'd rather have Jay Cutler. I'd rather, yeah, me too, because Cutler can. Okay, so quick story. If you, I'm, you guys know I'm a film guy, ladies and gentlemen, if you ever want to go see something funny, watch Miss Trubisky throw a deep ball. The ball, after about 20 yards, starts fluttering. Go watch Jack's boy, Dak Prescott, my boy Carson, Savannah's boy, um, uh, Aaron Rodgers, even Tom Brady. Drew Brees, you see, it's a zip. The ball's tight. The spiral, it goes 30. Even Kyler Murray, who's shorter than me. Zip down the field. That ball moves. Mr. Bisky, it starts dying and fluttering at about 20 yards. I'm not even kidding. You watch the film. You see the spiral start to loosen up, and it looks like the velocity just tails off. It gets to the spot, but it just feels like the ball just, like, hits the brakes at about 20 yards as it starts to slow down to the point. And, God, I watched Josh Allen yesterday. Holy crap, that kid's got a bazooka. I saw him snap a ball. 20 yards, look like a fastball come out of, like, R.I.P. Jose Fernandez's hands. Like, strike. I'm like, I I could not even believe it. I'm like, this kid is a freak. It's like Jamarcus Russell-level velocity. I was like, oh, my God. I want to see him and Mahomes have a throw-off. That'd be entertaining. I think Mahomes has him just because I think he's more athletic. mm -hmm. But, like, to me – but but. I don't know. I think no. I think Jared Allen's more athletic. Josh Allen's more athletic, 
But Mahomes, I think, puts more muster on the ball. I think Mahomes has better balance. Like, he can throw off balance perfectly. He's got that kind of weird gunslinger like ability that like that Josh Allen needs to Josh Allen's like Cam Newton needs to be able to set his feet and deliver the ball. Right. And I think that's where Mahomes does it what Mahomes doesn't need because him, Wentz, Stafford, these guys who have always grown up kind of slinging off their back foot, throwing around corners and stuff, these guys are used to it. But I digress. So the Green Packers defense was ranked number one in the league going into playing Philadelphia. Philadelphia lit them up for thirty four points. It should have been 40-41. There was a drop touchdown and a couple other miskies, whatever. doesn't matter. Uh, basically, the Phil of Eagles out physical now dominated the Packers on both sides of the offensive defensive lines. It was, it was bad. Rodgers was running for his life every play, and if it wasn't for Devontae Adams, that game wouldn't have even been close at all. Adams basically dominated Philadelphia the entire first half until he hurt his foot. Basically, what I saw with the with the Packers, what my concern was all year, and I, I will admit, Savannah on our NFL preview show talked me into taking the Packers, and then I thought to myself during the game, and I'm like, the only person on that field now that Adams is gone is the only person I fear is Rodgers, and if he gets hurt, that they're done. That defense does not scare me, Jack. Those holes for the run it for Miles Sanders and Jordan Howell were six feet wide. We could have driven a truck through those things, man. <laughs> it's bad. I just saw on one play, I saw Kelsey and Brandon Brooks just take the linebacker and the guard and the D tackle and just push them around. And I just saw Jordan Howard scamper right through. Howard's not a speed back. And he was getting 20 yard holes every time. And I just said to myself, and I'm like, this is, this is your playoff team. I, I was more afraid. I was more intimidated by the Lions, and I, who we lost to the week before. And I'll make a point about that in a minute because they put up a show yesterday. But the Packers, to quote the great Danny Green, they are who I thought they was. I, I mean, you could say that about a few teams in the league. I, I mean, exactly. Cowboys yesterday proved that they're not going to be a 13-3 and three team. Well, they're going to have their fair share of losses. They're going to be but, a 10-6, 11-5 team. They still have a very good roster, but the problem is – against legit teams who can play defense. And, you, and the thing I've said from the beginning, if you take Zeke out of the game, Dak goes yeah. from good to average. It's the biggest thing. That's why Jerry had to pay Zeke, because I think Jerry in the back of his head knew that no Zeke equals no Dak being successful. I don't care. Uh, I don't know if that was a back-of-the-head discussion. I, I think that was made obvious. I think that was Steven and Jerry in Jerry's office like, I love Dak, but he's a game man. He is, he is a better version of Alex Smith. I loved Dak in college. Fair shake. I loved him in Mississippi State. It broke my heart a little bit when we went to Dallas. But here's the thing about Dak. He's got talent, but he struggles with two things that NFL quarterbacks need to have. He needs to be able to make good throws on the run. Like I'm talking about like, you know, what you see Wentz, Rodgers, Brady, these guys, Russell Wilson. In adversity, when they're running around, they're getting, they're dodging bullets. They can still see a guy. Well, Gardner Minshew did. Um, and I just never – yes, Dak's got a great O-line, but it just seems like every time you take Zeke out of that game, his performance goes from like a 95 overall rated quarterback, pro football focus-wise, delivering strikes. And one thing I heard Greg uh, Greg Cosell on the Herd say about three weeks ago was everyone was going crazy when he lit up the Giants and they lit up the Dolphins. And I'm like – and I looked at the – and I looked – I went and looked because he, Greg Cosell said he these guys were high school open. 
Jack, these throws were not hard throws. And I said to myself, and I'm like, I'm not I'm gonna keep my mouth shut, but for now, but this is what we saw. He threw the what quadruple coverage at one point last night. Yeah. I just I am trying to whoa, whoa, whoa. okay to defend that that was in the final seconds and he needed to put his team in field goal. I I I, I will admit that that I just I saw the video I didn't see the clock. Chris Collinsworth would back me up on that too. Oh yeah. Um, I'm actually not a big hater as on Collinsworth as much as people think. I'm I'm everyone hates on broadcasters, but when you act yes Collinsworth cocky as hell, but he's also the smartest dude in the room. He's oh, talking about a film guy. That's your number one film guy. Are you kidding me? Between Cal, between him, uh, like he puts Troy Aikman to sleep. Aikman's analytics, some analyst sometimes is just like making me chuckle. I'm like, I think uh, it was against it was a lot whatever game he was doing. Uh, it was the Thursday night game. He said something, and I was just like, like Troy, I even know that's fundamentally wrong. But I'm like, I was I was had too many beers to even start arguing about it. Anyway. I just learned the Eagles are not as in trouble as I thought they were. They they had a clutch game. Alshon Jeffrey, even if he was at 50% last game, still made a difference. One touchdown, a couple clutch catches. He does what he needs to do. Um, Zach Ertz, you know what you get with them. And also, Miles Sanders just proving he's explosive. Keep I mean, getting Back to my original point, though, mm-hmm. when it comes to, obviously, you say the Eagles aren't out of it yet. I agree with you. The Cowboys aren't going to run away with this thing by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's one loss in my eyes. We'll see what happens against Green Bay next week. In I, I, I'm not saying – I think it's going to be Cowboys and Eagles both in the final oh. week of the season are both going to be like 10 and 5 – like are going to be like 10 and 5, and they're going to be either, both playing big games. I think the Eagles play the Giants this year in the final week of the season. And I would expect nothing less. That's the way it's been for years. Unless something happens where, like, you know, I mean, if Philadelphia goes out and gets Jalen Ramsey or Xavier Howard this week, then we might have a different conversation. But I'm saying the biggest hole in Philadelphia is their secondary. Yeah. Because we saw their pass rush started getting the Rodgers real early yesterday. And that actually will bring me – and I, I'm going to talk about the Derek Barnett hit a little bit later because I, I want to make a point about this. But – because I, I and one of uh, and our everyone's favorite female co-hosts on the corner booth and me got into a little argument over Twitter about this. And my loyal co, my loyal friends and former co-host and current co-host both jumped on her side, and I was a little insulted by this because I know I'm right and I'll prove that I'm right. Anyway, next game on the docket, we gotta talk Bills Patriots. I was, was impressed. I was impressed with Buffalo's defense. Buffalo maybe Buffalo has a top five defense, and they are a legit team. But Josh Allen is young, and he makes mistakes. Oh yeah. I think Buffalo is a ten and six team that makes the playoff wild card with ease. They might get the number one wild card spot. They are that good. I think that the Jonathan Jones hit was dirty as hell. Not Vontez perfect level dirty, but close. It was. It was definitely worse than the Jamal Williams Derek Barnett hit. And basically, he just took a not-so-nice shot on Allen. That basically is the only reason I think the Bills lost. I think they were about to drive down and score a touchdown in that game. Like, Allen had proved he wasn't afraid of the Patriots. He scored the first offensive touchdown against them this year. And I just – I watched that game. The Patriots have two problems, and this is why I don't think they're going to go undefeated. Jack, they start playing a lot better team soon. Their offensive line is they just had to go pick up an offensive line from Arizona today. Two, 
their receiving core is banged up, dude. Antonio, I didn't really think they needed Antonio Brown until I watched them yesterday. Because yeah. the, the Bills were just bracketing up Josh Josh Gordon, and they were taking – and Tredavious White took Edelman out of the game for half of it. And no Gronk, at least until week 12, El Prez confirm or whatever the hell he said in the, in the studio. I'm sitting there. I'm thinking, saying to myself, I'm like, they're going to win that division. There's no question in my mind, and they're going to be a threat. But there is no perfect team in the AFC. Let's go down the list. Like the, the top, Let's go down the list quick. So – New England, offensive line struggling, lack of offensive weapons, elite defense, and greatest quarterback of all time. So, yeah, he'll make it work. And he'll make it work, but they're not unbeatable. Uh, Chiefs, elite talent, young quarterback, elite offense. Problems, struggling running the football, and their defense basically me and Jack could score with our flag football teams on them. It's, it's, nice. it's awful. Besides Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew, there's nobody of note on that defense. Um, then you go to Baltimore. They struggled against Cleveland yesterday. I don't even know what to make of that game. That could have been just a desperation win. I'm not even sure. But Nick Chubb basically dismantled that team. And Peter, uh, uh, Kyle Brandt said this morning on Good Morning Football, he was like, Nick Chubb's the best offensive player on that roster. I would say him and Beckham are neck and neck and a mile ahead of Mayfield or Landry. And my boy Njoku, Cedar Grove, shout out. Um... Also, Canes. Uh, I, and then you keep going down the list. You go to the West. The Chargers. And to, Melvin Gordon back is going to help them. I think that's going to make their offense more consistent. Uh, you go down South. The Jags, I guess, are the best team in that division. And I don't know how long the, the Minshew Magic is going to last. And we could just keep going down the pipe. But you, you get my point, though. I mean, then I guess I got to go to the Raiders. And... They're the Raiders. They're above average at best. So, and then you go down to Cleveland. It's just the AFC, there's no perfect team. Like, if I was going to do a power ranking today of teams that I, like, it's going to, New England and the KC will both be in the top two, but they're going to have two nice red X's next to their names because they're flaws. Like, you look in the NFC, Dallas' problem. If you take Zeke out of the game, their offense becomes inept. Philly's problem. Their secondary is basically a bunch of Walmart cashiers yeah. and Malcolm Jenkins, <laughs> and ba- which is what it seems to be every year. Half their secondary has been on the PUP list for the beginning of the season. And then uh, Atlanta, they're, who were my division pick, they're out of it at this point. New Orleans, overla- their, their character strikes Kenny me. Bridgewater can keep them afloat. Drew Brees comes back, say, week 12-ish. They'll have a shot. They'll have a shot, but I don't His think... job right now is just to keep them afloat. I don't think they're going to get to the Super Bowl because I still think whoever wins the East is getting the number one seed. That's uh, fair. And then up north, the Detroit goddamn Lions, boy. And that's where we're going next. Detroit KC... That was – I am so mad I missed that game. I look at the score. I'm like, wait, that's at 34-30. I'm like – I was mad the, Jet, the, the Lions lost, but I was not upset about the score. The Detroit Lions were my division pick to win the North, and everyone ridiculed me. And I said to my – I said, I'm going to repeat it quickly. Solid running back, good quarter uh, – a B-plus B quarterback, B-plus running back, good, good if not great receiving core – Probably one of the top five best total cores. Solid, good, young tight end. 
on defense. They have the shutdown corner. They have two good pass rushers. They have the good young athletic linebacker. They have a defensive-minded head coach who can let the veteran quarterback work. What in God's name am I missing? That team could win a division. Because you look at every other team in that division, there's at least two gaping holes where the Lions don't miss aren't, aren't missing something. The Packers only have one elite weapon. Um, and there's their defensive line, their defensive line is not as overwhelming as we thought. The Bears, they have a they have a average Joe playing quarterback. And the Vikings, same. Basically, the Lions have the most complete team in that division. And as long as they play like they do Sunday and against Philadelphia, as long as they just don't play like they played against the uh, the, the Cardinals, that team is going to smoke this division. I think I still have them winning the division 11 and 5. I don't see – I had them at 10 and 6 originally because I had them losing to Philly, but 11 and 5, and I'll take that because – that's that's a fair record. I feel like a lot of people are against the Lions just because of honestly like, Lux. It's not the Lions. I'm like, yeah, but Lux's not on their side. Yesterday proved that they are in it this year. They I think. can move that's the ball. I know they were against hoping. the Chiefs, yeah. but their defense kept Mahomes to zero passing touchdowns. That's, that's impressive. That that's an eye opener for sure. And when it comes to the NFC uh, North. Obviously, I don't think the Bears are going to be anything like they were last year. I think no. they'll be, and I think they'll be nine and seven, eight. They're going to be a decent team. They might have a shot at wild, like the they're not going to get a wild card berth because basically it's going to be Green Bay, Philadelphia slash Dallas, and may and maybe either San Fran or Seattle coming out of the West. Right. So Chicago might be that odd man. Chicago and Green Bay might be those odd mans out because if if Green Bay can't fix the problems, they're going eight and eight, nine and seven. I just don't – they're not an elite team to me. Everyone was going crazy about the defense, and I'm like – once again, Jack, I, I, the first half – we are a quarter of the way through the season now, and the biggest theme of this year is who have you played? Yeah. Before you crown somebody's ass, who have you played? And everyone's like, oh, Philadelphia's done. I'm like, they went up against the Green the Detroit Lions. They went up against um, the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. And then they went up against Green Bay in Green Bay. That's a difficult schedule to start the season. Those are good teams. And you look at um, Buffalo. I'm like, oh, Buffalo played bad teams. I'm like, but yeah. They also just took New England the distance in one of the ugliest, most physical games I'd ever seen. I think week four showed us a lot of different teams that are good. I'm not even going to talk about Chicago versus Minnesota because basically it was just what we expected. Right. Minnesota can't move the ball without Dalvin Cook, who the Bears took away. Chase Daniel was about as effective as Chase Daniel was about as as effective as Mr. Trubisky was. Next, uh, we go to I'm gonna go down the pipe here. Redskins Giants. Everyone's talking Daniel Jones this morning. Jack, you're a Jersey boy. I'm from Connecticut. We're both from the tri-state area. I am not buying this. I think Daniel Jones is going to be better than I thought and better. And on me, I will admit I was wrong there, but because I was saying he was the worst quarterback in this class. Oh yeah. But yes, he's played two really bad, two really bad defenses, but he's not terrible. I want to see, I think, who do they have the following week? 
Yeah, but just look at it this way. So Daniel Jones beats up on the Buccaneers and the Redskins. Okay, Dak Prescott beat up on Eli Manning's Giants, the Miami Dolphins, and the Washington Redskins, and everybody automatically is just like, well, he played bad teams. Daniel Jones also played bad teams, and people are praising him as the next great. It's also player. a narrative that everyone doesn't want Dak to be good because he's a Cowboys quarterback. I see your point. Yes, that's the, what I'm saying. Yeah. The Giants do play the Vikings next week. A very pissed off Vikings team who got shellacked by Chicago yeah. in a, on national television. I don't know, man. That kind of seems like it's going to be a good game. I think Daniel Jones. We're going to see what we get with him. Um, two games into the two games into his career, give it, give him the rest of the season, and then I'll give you my take on Daniel Jones. Ah, uh, yeah, because well, I don't think he's going to be any special. Dwayne Haskins, the poor kid, he got thrown into the fire yesterday. And made the Giants' defense look like all pros. I still think he's going to be trash, too. And I keep reiterating, go watch his pretty game against Purdue last year. It'll tell you everything you need to know about him as a quarterback. Um, Dolphins at Chargers. Now, for the first time all year, the Miami Dolphins had the lead in the game. For five minutes. The Chargers are... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's stop for one second just to give them the celebratory golf clap. They had the lead. They they had a lead. Listen, I am the, – the Dolphins, to me, they're going to get one win this year, and it's going to be over some team that's, like, in playoff contention, and they're just going to, like, shoot themselves in the foot repeatedly. The Chargers need Gordon, and they need Derwin James. James, I think, is back week eight or nine. He is the most important player on that, t- on that defense. Gordon at least will allow them to keep the defense off the field. I think he's – as much as Eckler is a great – Peace, he's not a good feature back. I agree. I think that's the thing they're missing. Ball control. Well, obviously, it's kind of the same deal with the Cowboys. Without Zeke, that offense turns to mush. Without Melvin Gordon for the Chargers, obviously, like, it's a hit or miss with Keenan Allen if he's going to stay healthy. So with Melvin Gordon at the front there, obviously, I I think it hurt a lot of people fantasy-wise when he was out for the first Three I weeks. scooped him in one of my leagues just yeah. off the agency. I grab him quick. I'm like, you know what? Even if he only play, even if he only like, even if he puts up like good, okay numbers for the first four weeks, that's still a. I still have Melvin Gordon for the fantasy playoffs. My first two picks were Zeke and Gordon in one of my leagues. No, that, and that was before Zeke signed his contract. So you were, were you were you were sweating a little bit. I think my third pick was AB actually. So that entire. Jesus. Oh my god! And then I think Tyree Kill was my fourth pick. Dude, you should just so like re- just fell did block your fifth. <laughs> no, that was well after. I think someone took Andrew Luck as a pity pick in like the final round. Jesus, I wouldn't even take a pity pick. I mean, Mark Riley probably didn't hit one of his drafts, but so I, I just I look at the game and as as my as I have the schedule up and it's trying to show me the Bengals. Uh, Steelers game, which nobody cares about. That's why we're doing the show during the game. Because basically my only two interests are Joe Mixon and John Ross. And basically it's 3 nothing, by the way, for anybody who actually cares. Um, yeah, I mean, they couldn't have picked a, uh, a better game. I mean, Giants-Redskins would have been better. Daniel Jones. Colts-Raiders, that would have been – that was a good game. Colts-Raiders. I mean, the bill for it wouldn't be that great. It turned out to be a great game. Oh, but yeah. the bill and they oh, already yeah. got a Friday night two weeks. The ago. reject Raiders versus the versus Andrew Luck's backup. It's must yeah. watch television. Uh, 
Speaking of the Raiders, they're 2-2 two two now. And they run the football well. They have a young, good tight end, David Waller. Hard knocks. Thanks for the fantasy advice. Um, Car Tyrell Williams looks like a legit combination. They made their defense was making the Colts look stupid. And the defense on the Colts looks not like as good as it did last year. It's lack of speed. I mean, the Raiders aren't going to get a wild. They have a shot at a wild card because the AFC is so bad. You have like four teams at the top, and then it's just like a like a dog fight, and everyone is two and two or one and three. I want to so talk the, about in the hunt. There's there's going to be a lot of teams in the hunt. I think I think it's going to be one of those seasons where like there's like eight teams who have a shot at the playoffs, and the tiebreakers are going to be insane at the end of the year. It's going to be like the NFC that two years ago when, like, the Buccaneers had to lose and the Raiders had to win just to get Philadelphia in. I think, like, three other squads had to lose or something like that. Just something ridiculous for a team to get in, but I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm kind of low-key rooting for the Raiders right now because A.B. screwed them, and now A.B. can't even spell his tweets right for his English class, and the Raiders are 2-2, two and two, and their schedule is not awful. No. So they could easily finish the season nine and seven, ten and six. And John Gruden's sitting there looking like a genius, and AB is probably not playing football ever again. Unless some team is desperate at wide receiver like week sixteen. Uh, like after everything that's gone down, like wouldn't the Jets just like that's just the ultimate Woody Johnson pickup right there. You get Le'Veon Bell out Win the headlines, baby. Um yeah, the the Raiders yesterday ran the ball effectively. Josh Jacobs threw three games. And through four games, there's 107 yards away. It's a Raiders rookie record. Or I mean, it's not – the kids lived up to the first-round billing. I'm, I'm, like, not at all disappointed with them picking him at 25, I believe, because Philadelphia took Dillard at 24. Uh, but, yeah, no, the Raiders are bad. Colts look bad. Like, Jacoby Brissett is good, but that defense just looks sloppy. So, Panthers-Texans, Kyle Allen show, round two. Sloppy ass game. It was basically Christian McCaffrey running this game for them. I don't know what to make of that. I don't know what to make of the Texans though. That's the biggest concern to me. Like, what the hell is going on in Houston? Is this really? Are we really going to see Jacksonville win the division because Houston just like can't score? Again, it's week what week four going into week five. You start seeing teams show who they are, and that's what's scaring me about the Texans right now. I don't know. I mean. Because they lit up the Saints for 28 points week one, but now they can barely score on the Panthers' okay defense. I mean, I feel like you're overreacting to a lot of these scores in week four. Like, you're automatically assuming, like, the Green Bay Packers aren't what you thought they were just because they lose. But it's what I saw during the game against a good Super Bowl contending team. That's what I saw. The Cowboys' offense gets exposed after going three and zero week four on the road. I still think, no, but you, you remember what I said though. I still think the Cowboys are going ten and six, eleven and five. It's yeah. the fact is that the the Saints showed how to beat them. Right. And as far as the Texans go, to me, they're just football's lovable losers. They they're the little engine that could, but as soon as they get to the playoffs, they choke anyway. So like, I really don't have any sympathy towards them. And in this loss, obviously, they showed that they have a ton of weaknesses on offense, but again, I don't really care. The Panthers, way to go. Another got for you. They deserve it. I I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to make this. I, I, I need to see more 
of Kyle Allen. Like I told you before the show, him and Gardner Minshew are the studies of my of my film this week. Like I'm gonna look at this kid's tape. I want to see if what I I want to see what kids because he was a top ranked prospect coming out of high school. He just unfortunately had to sit behind some great recruits at Houston. So I don't know. But next up, Browns Ravens. What in the actual shit was that? I the Ravens are like my are like my Super Bowl sleeper, and they just like laid a goose egg. Well, I'm I'm happy about this game for one reason only. The Browns needed to win this game. I mean, all the hype coming into this year, they lose they lose on opening day, of course, which was awful. Awful. Go into MetLife Stadium, obviously beat up on the Jets. OBJ has his homecoming game, which was great. And then you go one and two, you start to think, man, they really aren't what they thought they would be. City of Cleveland, for the first time, can get excited about football in their city. It's not looking great. A win like this over a Ravens team that you've said time and time again is the most improved team in the NFL. This is a huge statement by the Cleveland Browns. I don't, but the thing is with me is like I want to see how they rebound next week. Yeah. Because the Ravens... I think they take on Pittsburgh next week, if I'm if I'm correct. I'm gonna get clarification here, but I think it's Pittsburgh they take on next week. Yep, Pittsburgh takes on uh, Baltimore, and the Brownies take on the 49ers. So both games will be interesting. The Browns because the 49ers have one of the most explosive offenses in the league, and the Steelers. I don't know what Steelers game because right now they're losing to the Bengals. No, and, I mean, at this point you may as well call it the Pittsburgh bye week. I don't think they're gonna be any. I still think I don't know, man. I I because I, I love Mason Rudolph. He's like he's a Baker Mayfield esque type of player. So uh, you basically remove the spinal cord of that team though when Big Ben goes down. It's exactly. really not the same offense, especially because he has no weapons. Really, it wasn't the same offense with him in it either. Because basically, it proved that they need big plays to score, and they couldn't score. Um, the Ravens. I mean, it was basically Nick Chubb running that game. Three touchdowns from him, and he broke another 88-yarder. I, I, you know what? I, I think Nick Chubb's an elite top 10 running back, no question in my mind. It's just and they're going to be even more dangerous with Kareem Hunt getting back. But that offensive line, though, going down the stretch is going to be interesting because they I, – I think Baltimore's pass rush is kind of eh, but – they can't block anybody, man. Like that that game against L.A. Rams was bad. Like some of those, like I'm watching Baker roll out, and I got Aaron Donald chasing him, and I'm just looking I'm like he's throwing off his back foot, and these balls are barely even getting even within five feet of the receiver, and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, you can't win games like that. So next up, Falcons versus Titans. I heard from a Falcons fan yesterday morning that if the Falcons lost this game, the season's over. Now. Well, that that that's, that's, that's probably that's, working right that now. That is a hardcore overreaction because I'm gonna tell you three reasons why the Falcons can still win this division. One, Julio Jones. Two, Julio Jones. Three, the Saints have Teddy Bridgewater, and nobody else in that division is even. Yeah, but they have to play well right now while the Saints have Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. This is a gift that they have to really take advantage of, and that, yesterday's loss. Should concern a lot of Falcons fans. All right, I will give you that. 
All I'm saying is if we're looking at – I'm going to go pull up the, the uh, Atlanta Falcons thing right now so we can like get a sense because I can tell you – I'll get to tell you right now based on how they played, how they're going to do. All right, so next week they have the Houston Texans in Houston. I'll take Atlanta on that one. I, I just think that it's they're just a more complete team. Then they play the Cardinals. That's two straight wins. They're back up to three and three. They play the Rams. Now, I don't know where to go in that game because we were going to talk about this in a minute, but the Rams looked awful yesterday. Yeah. Then they play the Seahawks in Atlanta. That's a toss-up. Then they play the Saints. It's week 10, though, so like it, Breeze won't be back yet. Then 11, they get the Panthers. Then the Bucks. But then they get Saints with, with Drew Brees. And then they get the Panthers again. 49ers, Jags, Bucks. The Falcons can easily go 10 and 6 here. Because I only have them losing three of those, two or three of those games. So I, I really think the Falcons fans need to relax. It's not a it's not as dire as it looks in the past. I think look at it this way. If yeah. you want them to go ten and six, they're gonna have to go nine and three in the next twelve. And with a loss like yesterday that's just demoralizing against the Tennessee Titans team that Really doesn't have. And, and that. the worst part about that loss is they beat him. It wasn't even like they just ran over him with Derrick Henry. Yeah. It was with AJ Brown and Marcus Mariota. <laughs> I, I I still think that the Falcons win this division. I just think like that's a wake up call game because they came in they looked sloppy from the get go. I mean, growing up on the East Coast, we, we saw with Eli Manning for many years. Giants get off to a slow start. All of a sudden, the Giants Patriots too. Patriots always start the year off like two and two in, in September, yeah. or like one in, or three and one. Like it, you can't it, overreact, overreact to these first few weeks. First quarter, certain teams. Like I think, that, yes, like this is gonna be an overreaction show. But there are certain things you see that scare you about teams. I'm not scared of what I saw with the Falcons. This next game, though. I think the Super Bowl hangover is real, ladies and gents. The Buccaneers drop fifty, uh, drop a fifty burger on the Rams, ending with a the Dominican Sioux strip sack, which was just pure poetry to watch. I, I, I said this weeks ago, Jack. This is not an overreaction. I watched four Rams games. Two of them I actually watched myself live. They're losing to bad teams. Or they're barely beating good teams. Or they're barely beating yeah, bad teams. That was their first loss. Like that, that, that was the first loss. But it's an overreaction episode. That was the most overreaction take we've heard in the last 45 minutes. That was their first loss of the year. I they know. have not lost I, to bad teams. They've lost they, have, to bad. They, know, they, they, they lost to a bad team, and they've barely beaten bad teams. Their one good win was over New Orleans, and they should have smoked them by 50. Because basically that game, that was the first game Bridgewater was in, and they shouldn't, New Orleans shouldn't have been able to move the ball at all. Yeah. And the Rams looked like basically anemic for the entire first half. I literally sat there with my mom. I was doing chores in my kitchen. My mom walked in, and she's like, how's the game? And I'm like, this is the most boring football game I've ever seen. I've been looking forward to watching this all day, and it's awful. So you actually gave her an honest take. If my mom walked in, I would have been like, get the fuck out. No, nah, my mom loves watching football. She's like – she and my sister are both like proxy Eagles fans. Like they both have Eagles gear. My mom just points out the linemen and said they need to work out and get in shape. I'm like, that's what they're there for, mom. They're supposed to be fat. They're supposed to look big. Yeah, my my mom tra- – because, well, you know, her son played varsity football, and, and she was always around the game. So she she does love it, and she does love watching it. Can't She can't stand college football for some reason, though. I don't know why. Um, <coughs> I don't know what to make of the Rams. 
Their defense looks slow. Their corners, you beat them. It, it, it's and it's the same thing that they struggled with last year, though, Jack. How did Philly beat them in the playoffs, and how did New England beat them in the Super Bowl? Big plays over the top. The Gronkowski catch was a 45-yard seam route. It was wide open. How did Philly beat them? They chucked the ball deep. How did they beat Dallas? Dallas can't throw the ball deep. Basically, the way to beat LA has been the same thing for three years with Sean McVay. It hasn't changed. Now everyone's getting old on that defense. Once you get past 20 yards, those corners get really out in no man's land. The biggest playmaker on the defense right now is John Johnson or Aaron Donald. And to me, those corners are getting older. They're not built for that system. And you're going to see it. They're going to play more big. They're going to play more teams that are big play oriented. And you're going to see more and more just long bombs down the field. And I think this is a problem because the Buccaneers are a team that basically all they do is hand the ball off to Ronald Jones or uh, Peyton Barber or chuck it a mile to, to uh, Godwin or um, O.J. Howard or Mike Evans. So to me, the Buccaneers kind of just did what the game plan was supposed to say. If there was a blueprint to beat the Rams, it's this, this, and this, and the Buccaneers basically copied it verbatim. Yeah, I mean, to me, again, you could throw this into the pile of overreaction week four takes just because, to me, the Rams are still one of the deadliest teams in the NFC. Them, uh, you mentioned the Cowboys and the Eagles. Obviously, the Packers were probably the favorites in the North at the moment. But again, four weeks in, defense looked terrible. You mentioned the guys are getting older. They're not getting any faster. Buccaneers are a bad team. Like, a lot of bad teams and a lot of okay teams contended with teams that they shouldn't have contended with this week. So I'm throwing this one in the pile of overreactions. The Bills shouldn't have lost by six points. They should have lost by at least 14, maybe 20 to New England. I don't know. I think that was the one game where there wasn't a bad team playing a good team. I think Buffalo is a good team. Again, give it a few more weeks until they you make. Decide. No, that you know, I've noticed at Buffalo they make games ugly. Yeah, and that's and they're like they're like Detroit. They make games ugly. They make you play their way. Like I don't think Kansas City wanted to score less than forty points in that game, and they barely got thirty-four. Uh, next up, we have my boy Jadeveon Clowney with his first NFL touchdown, running back a pick six on Kyler Murray. Um, Seahawks, of course, winning 27-10. Larry Fitzgerald moves into the second all-time, passing Tony Gonzalez, and only only Jerry Rice has more receptions all-time. Basically, the only story of this is the Cardinals are bad, the Seahawks are a decent team, and Kyler Murray just looked like he was running for his life. I, I think the biggest takeaway from this game is just, like, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks, if they want to contend this year, they got to beat up on the bad teams. So that's just a good win for them overall. And, yeah, Kyler Murray... Really not panning out the way that. Uh, I mean, he's still good for what he is. Yeah. I mean, he's not terrible, and the fact is, the kids only had 16 starts at quarterback. It could be a lot worse. It could be Ryan Leaf level. This kid's actually at least keeping them semi in games. Um, Jags Broncos. My boy Lenny Fournette running for 225 on the ground. Uh, 26-24 win. We saw Gardner Minshew make great play after great play all day. And 
the Broncos defense with Bradley Chubb also, by the way, breaking news that, that came out this morning. He's out for the year of the torn ACL. Yeah. You hate to see it, especially with a very good up-and-coming pass rusher. But the Broncos, man, they can't stop anybody. How many how many Broncos fans do you think uh, just turned the game off early and were like, we'll take it, put Gardner Minshew, put all that BS aside, put it to rest, turn back the TV to learn that you lost by two? And uh, like, you just hear Gardner making some miracle comeback. I, I guarantee he was like half. But I think, you know what's so funny? I don't think a lot of Broncos fans are like that, though. I don't think a lot of NFL fans are like that, where, like, they'll shut a game off. They may have, There may have been a couple who left the stadium early, though. I could definitely see that happening. Like, you saw, like, a lot of teams, and then they're getting updates, like, oh, my God, the, the Jags are driving. Oh, my God, the Jags are pulling this off. And the one knock on Minshew to me is his body size and his lack of arm strength. But the kid can ball. He can ball. And, I mean, in a Doug Murray offense, you don't need to have a bazooka to be be successful. But, oh, my God, this kid, he's making it fun. I know they're going to put Nick Foles back in if he struggles at all. But, I mean, when he gets back from his collarbone injury. But he's been fine, man. Two-and-two. I think they're in first or tied for first in that division right now. I'm not hating them. I'm not hating the Jaguars. They are my division pick still, and I love them. Um, Vikings and Bears, we already said we're not going to talk about that because it was such an abomination game. Tyreek Hill finally found his way to the end zone, though. I mean, no, Tariq Cohen, sorry. Wrong, short, fast guy. Um, Now, Jack, unfortunately, we have to talk about Cowboys Saints. I'm glad you saved it for last. Well, I'm gonna be I'm gonna I'll be fair with you. The Cowboys are still gonna be a good team. The Saints have a decent defense, but they basically, like we said a million times already, just showed the blueprint how to beat the Cowboys. You take Zeke out of the game, and Dak gets jumpy. Which is and strange because Kellen Moore ran the ball, I think, an average seven times mm-hmm. in the first like seven times per carry in the first half, compared to I think only three passes from Dak Prescott. And they obviously the Saints yeah. were all over it. Things changed in the second half and not for the better. Dak really couldn't find it going offensively in the passing game against a team that has the, what, number 30th ranked pass defense in the league. Which, Something like that because they've been, getting, they've been getting lit up every game. Which is not good. So obviously towards also, the end they gave themselves a chance. Their defense, yeah. obviously one of the greatest defenses in the last few years, kept them in the game, which is great mm-hmm. to see. But, yeah, you take Zeke out of the equation, I think it was 35 rushing yards on 18 carries. Not, not it's not what you want, as Joe Girardi used to tell the Yankees. It's not what you want. It's not what you exactly. It's not what you want to see. And at the end of the day, I look at this team, and I think just Dallas has got a very loaded roster. But there's a couple things that that just don't scare me. Their interior D line is subpar, and you Dak Prescott in hostile environments. It's not the and like. What is he going to do when he's playing in Philadelphia and it's like 24 degrees outside and it's snowing? Like, I, I or when he has to go up to to Detroit in that dome or something like that. Like, I want to see what he's going to do because like this was kind of a preview and lucky for the Cowboys it was only a two point loss because Teddy Bridgewater's in. I also think this is maybe an overreaction a little bit because the Cowboys did play. It was their first tough game of the season. They were probably on cruise control a little bit after three dominating wins. So I think that's why maybe they pulled the throttle back a little bit. It's not like where like the where like the the uh, Packers knew what they had to do and then just got punched in the mouth repeatedly. The Cowboys basically 
I think just slapped it in the cruise control and the Saints took advantage. I think the Cowboys are going to be fine. 10 and, 10 and 6, 11 and 5 record. If they lose another stupid game, 9 and 7, but I think the Cowboys are going to be fine. They'll be a division hunt, eat wild card team. They're, just, they're good. They're fine. I think they have to win next week uh, against Green Bay at home, though. That's if gonna Green be- Bay beats them at home next week, then we have a completely different discussion. Right. Being at home helps in that game. If they're in Green Bay, totally different discussion. Like you said, mm-hmm. but to me, I, yeah. a win next week puts them back in the discussion of, okay, Kellen Moore saw the mistakes he made. He made some adjustments mm-hmm. and you don't have to outscore Aaron Rodgers just because we saw like, in Philly on Thursday. Yeah. Can beat him with the pass rush. I just, it's a must win for the Cowboys. It, it is. And it's a, it's a must win to shut people up. It's yeah. not a must-win in the sense of record. It's a must-win for morale because yeah. then if you lose to another good team in a row. You're like, uh, what's going on? Um, I still think that we like my surprise team in the NFC is Detroit and everyone, and I'm still sticking that pick. But we'll switch over to baseball quick before we go to last call and kick the smooth jazz. Uh, tomorrow night we have Brewers Nationals. Uh, Woodruff versus Scherzer. Jack, who you got in the game? Personally, I have the Brewers. I, I don't think any signs point to them winning against the Nationals. Obviously, Scherzer. And I think Dave Martinez has uh, insisted that he's going to go with Patrick Corbin and Steven Strasburg out of the pen, if need be. Yeah. So they're going to throw everything at Milwaukee. To me, though, the Nationals, they've never gotten past a playoff round before. Ever. And their their offense doesn't scare me. I mean, yeah, Rendon had a great season, but at I, the I end, think Christian Yelich having him out of the lineup helps their pitching staff. You still, have to, pain, you still have to deal with times. You still have to deal with a lot of these guys who can still slug the slug slug the ball. I have the Brewers only because you can pitch all you want, but we've learned in wild card games. Come on, my Diamondbacks Brewers two years ago. I mean, Diamondbacks Rockies two years ago. It doesn't matter who you throw at them. Your pitcher can get shelled in the first inning, and it just becomes an all-out bullpen and hitting slugfest. So I think especially in these games, where we, I think we saw um, the year the Royals won the World Series. Or no, the year the Royals lost to the Giants, where they beat the t- higher-ranked John, John Lester A's. Mm-hmm. It was like four years ago. I don't, you remember that? So like the 20, they were home, too. 2014 playoffs, home at Oakland, and the Royals won on just the craziest 13-inning game. I love wild card baseball. So much fun. Um, it's all hands on deck. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's what makes baseball fun. It's, it's like it's like it's like all this crazy. It's, it's the game seven craziness with all of the like you know, ex- you know, all the excitement of an actual baseball game. Then we have Rays Athletics. The Rays sneaking in. So are the Athletics. I love this because it's two teams you really don't really get in the playoffs that much. A's a little more consistent than the Rays are, but I love seeing the Rays back in the playoffs, especially because they're like a tanking team, and they're talking about moving to Montreal for half the season. But I love this. Uh, I got the Rays. I, the Athletics have not announced a starter yet, but uh, Morton is going for Tampa, and I am all for this. I love Tampa. They're just a scrappy little team that just keeps winning. So I have them winning this one. I wrote an article about this, just an MLB postseason preview that I'm still waiting to get published. Come on, Penny. Um, basically, I, I think I have the A's going in this one just because Oakland, the Coliseum, is a very tough place to play. I but, think them getting home field in this is huge for them. 
But either way, Rays, A's, A's, Rays, you're going to Houston and you're getting maimed. Oh, they're getting massive. It's going to be a three-game sweep. But it's it's a good, fun, entertaining start. But could you imagine if the Rays go into Houston and just, like, pull off a five-game winner? Like, they just, like, game five, like, get a, like, a, a like, pull pitch, like, a, get a clutch hit in the eighth inning and they hang on to the lead. Just like I was thrilled with that because if you go into the ALCS, hopefully against the Yankees, they're going to be burned out by them. There's no way they can make it past a Houston Astros club utilizing everything that they have, throwing everything out of the take, and then you got to play a team that's mastered you your entire existence for the past 25 years. The the series I'm excited to watch is Yankees Twins. Two I, I teams also, that just bash the living hell out of the baseball. Bias aside, this is going to be the most anticipated matchup because, A, they're the two teams with the most home runs ever in one season. I think the Diamondbacks. Twins 307, Yankees 306. There's going to be a shit ton of home runs hit in this series. The pitching is okay, and that's why there's going to be a lot of home runs hit in this series. I guarantee we're going to have at least two or three football scores in that series. Neither team has any starting pitching. And in the first two games, you're playing in arguably the most friendly home run hitters ballpark. Yankee Stadium. Baseball. And the Twins still hit a ton of dingers at Target Field. I mean, the jet stream in Minnesota over the summer was unbelievable in that series against the Yankees. Everybody remembers the 14-12 to game when Aaron Hicks made the diving play in the 10th inning, which was unbelievable. But this series is going to ride on whether the – Yankees can pitch or not because the Twins are going to probably go with a few openers. I think they have two starters, Boreos and um, Jake Odorizzi. But the I think they're mainly going to go with their bullpen. They have a decent bullpen. I think the Yankees obviously outmatch them when it comes to their bullpen. Arguably one of yeah, the best. Yeah, well, you really want to go down that lineup of that murderer's row pitching staff they have in the bullpen? The Yankees – Offense, obviously, like we, we talked about before uh, we went on, get, this is the first time all season that they're going to have their opening day lineup. I mean, you're going to have Judge, you're going to have Stanton, you're going to have. The, the yeah, bottom yeah. of their order is going to be Encarnacion, Voight, and Gardner. And Gardner hit 28 home runs this year, and he's going to be their nine hitter. So offense isn't going to be the worry for the Yankees. I really forgot that Encarnacion, too, which just scares the daylights out of me. The, the, the thing for the Yankees is going to be A, can they all stay healthy? which they haven't proven that they can do. I mean, they've proven that the next man can stand up, which has been their motto all year. Uh-huh. But the thing, they got to stay healthy, and they got to pitch well. Severino, we mentioned their three-starter this year. He's only started twice all year. Yeah. Paxton uh, got hurt on Friday in his final start in Texas. He's going in game one. We really don't know how healthy he is. He's obviously not 100%. Yeah. And Tanaka, I think Tanaka's proven that he can get the job done in a big situation. But again, he's always had one of those starts where he'll give up five home runs and just get shelled. Okay. Yeah. So got to see what we're going to get with him. Glad we're getting him at home. To me, the Yankees obviously got to take the first two games in the series. Because if you go back to Minnesota with their offense, again, everybody can go back and say, oh, the Yankees have beaten them in the last five playoff series that they've played against them. Eight the last time they played in the playoff, I think Ron Gardenhire was the damn manager. Uh you're wrong, my friend. It was uh, Paul Molitor, 2017 oh. game. What, what year was it again? 2017, so two years ago. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I was too busy crying over the fact my Diamondbacks got swept by the Dodgers. And then they got <laughs> then they got swept by uh, the Yankees in 09 and 2010. 
So ah, the- yeah. Okay, now you're going back to, like, years I don't remember as much. Yeah. Those, it's all the beers, dude. It's oh nine. I was a freshman in high school, bro. I wasn't drinking yet. Those are yeah. Keep telling yourself that. Those are your father's twins teams. This is an entirely new twins. This is a slogging the daylights out of the ball. There's no more Joe Mauer. The Yankees have to keep the ball low in the zone, or else we're we're obviously going to be seeing a couple of eleven to ten scores. I'm 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 on like a fourteen to seven or fourteen to ten final score of a game. Like I want something that's ridiculous. I can't wait. I'm anxious. It's October tomorrow. Let the anxiety begin. Oh, yeah. All right. We're Of course, check me out. I'm going to be on the O Show with Jack uh, in his latest episode. We're actually recording that right after this. But first off, before we jump to that. Let me, let me get to something because we're okay. kind of running a long ways on time here, about like, what, an hour and 12 minutes into this thing? We're at the 59-minute mark for recording. You offered this before we went on. I think I'm going to offer it right back to you on the air so you can't say no because it's on the air. Cue, yeah. cue the uh, dramatic music here. You yeah. can make this into a snippet if you want. This is history in the making for Belly Up Sports. Yeah. Would you – I'm going to propose this right now. Would you be inclined to do the first ever – might I add, first ever Osho slash Corner Booth collaboration podcast? Right here, right now. Before we go to final call, we get a segment of story time in. All righty. I'm down, but only on two conditions. One, it's corner booth slash Osho. I get That's top fair. billing. Get the I better get top billing. That's fair. <laughs> and two, not sure I was the only one. I'm down for this. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So embarrassing story time. Now, as you guys all know, loyal listeners of the corner booth and of the people who listen to my show or at least are um, a favorite guest here in the O show, I guess I am the director of HR here at belly up. So basically I high, I fire discipline, maintain the standards of the company within its content producers. It's a good resume builder. Basically there have been a couple times where me and the big boss, Mike Brown have butted heads. Cause I am a little more conservative on who I like to hire. Mike is a lot more open. He's up, up for seeing potential where me with a journalism background, I'm a little more picky who I like coming in. It's a fair, it's two schools of thought. Generally I gave the recruiting thing to Mike because he's found potential in guys that I did not see off the bat where I will admit fault there. Essentially I've said to Mike, so Mike uh, brought uh, – I can't remember what it was. So Mike brought this kid in a couple months back, probably mid-April, May. And this is back when our fantasy football account was dead. We weren't doing any fantasy stuff because basically there was nothing to do. The only football thing we were talking about was me and Mark were punching our, dra- our, our, uh, our draft stuff out for the corner booth. By the way, if you want to see how off we were in our predictions, go check the uh, go check it out on bellysports.com under our names. Um so there was this kid who got hired, and within three days, he had already changed his Twitter bio to – he had already made his own belly-up profile picture. Now, to those of you who don't know Jackson OG, it took me eight months to get mine, and I was an executive. And this kid made himself one in three days, and I was like, you know, I'm like, dude, come on. Really? Like, you're really doing – like, it, it just something irked me about it. And then – he then, in his Twitter bio, within two days, it changed to Belly Up Fantasy Sports Head. And I was like, oh, God. And I said something, and nobody was responding, so I took matters in my own hands. And I said, hey, man, listen, you can't say you have a position here when you don't actually have the position yet. 
and I'm just like laying in that like I'm I'm professionally laying into this kid. Like I'm being very professional, but I'm also saying like, dude, you are actually doing something that's wrong right now. We did not promote you. And then I get a text from Mike like 10 minutes later. Dude, what did you say to Dylan? He's freaking the hell out right now. He thinks you're reprimanding him. He's like, you're threatening him. I'm like, Mike, I'm just telling him he can't have this thing. He's not his position. Mike goes, I just promoted him like five minutes. I'm like, why didn't you tell me before? I'm the head of HR. I'm supposed to know this crap. And so I held my tongue for two weeks. And then this kid gets into a screaming match over Twitter and apparently has a horrible reputation in the fantasy football world for his what he does on Twitter and how he blocks people if they don't agree with him. Things like that. Stuff like, you know, true snowflake-esque stuff when it comes to Twitter. I don't care about your political beliefs. I'm saying this kid just has no skin on Twitter. He barely – he can't take any criticism. And he was fired within 24 hours of that whole Twitter incident that happened two weeks later. So embarrassing story was that basically I was ripping this kid when I had a few beers in my system because I was just on Twitter while I was waiting to go into the bar. And I basically just started like, you know, typing away at this kid. Cause I'm like, dude, like you have the belly up name and your logo. Like we don't want to be, you you say something and then you embarrass the company. And I wasn't going to say Mike, I was right, but I was, uh, I kind of got a bad vibe off him off the bat. So moral of the story, I read people better than others. Jared, I think I'm going to have you beat again. Oh, you do totally. I pulled that one out of my butt. That was a crap story. It's just an itch. Uh, I should win by default just because you basically dug yourself in your own grave right there. But Mike knows how I've ripped him for this one. I'm fine. This was my story. I guess I can tell two stories, but they kind of connect as one because they happened all within the same hour. Uh, Last week, I went out to dinner, Longhorn Steakhouse, got myself a porterhouse. Got broccoli, mashed potato. It doesn't matter what I got because the uh, – I, I told you the story on the O Show a few weeks ago about the Uber driver I had three days out of prison. Stopped using Uber. I'm a Lyft guy now. Yeah. Now I'm starting to think that I should just lease a car as soon as possible mm-hmm. because my Lyft driver – you get rated on Lyft and Uber. So out of five stars, whatever you got. This chick had a 1.9. And I honestly, like, how can you get a 1.9? She had over 500 drives. Like, you must be a really bad host in your car, or at least a bad driver to get a one. Yeah, that kind of decimal, you, yeah, you must have, like. So the entire time, like, it was, like, three minutes away. I'm like, all right, we got to we gotta figure out what's wrong with this chick. Like, what's going to happen? Oh, yeah. I, I pull up to the car, and I start to think, oh, she has, like, these gray covers on all of her all of her on her windshield, all of her windows, because it's all gray. It's all gray. I'm getting up to the car. I'm like, oh my God, those aren't those aren't uh, those aren't covers. That's that's vape juice. That's clouds. She hotboxed her car. She hotboxed her car. I step into the car. I don't even see her. She doesn't even say hi. Just takes off. The only time I ever saw this chick was when she reached back with her jewel and was like, you want to hit? I'm like, no, I'm good. I, I just want to be able to see. I hope you can see because the entire car was hotboxed. I wasn't allowed to open the windows. I'm like, oh, my God. And then uh, every stoplight, she was going like 75 miles an hour and would come to a screeching halt. Just a screeching halt. Worst driver ever. Okay, at this point, I'm like, she gets a one. 
She doesn't get a 1.9. She doesn't deserve a 1.9. She gets a 1. And as we're pulling up to my campus, my campus is out in West Phoenix, which is a very sketchy part of Phoenix, Arizona. Yes. I have to, uh, we have to check in with security. We have to show them my ID and everything, all that good fun stuff. And the security box is right in the middle. It's a driveway, but the security box is right in the middle. So there's a left and there's a right. There's a giant ass sign that says you need to go right to check with the security guard so students can show them their ID. She's driving up the middle very slowly. I knew, I knew she was thinking about it. I'm like, she's definitely just going to rear left here and completely oblige the security guard that's waiting there. She takes a wicked, excuse my Boston language, a wicked left turn, completely passing the security guard. The guy's holding his hands up like, what the fuck? And then she rolls down the window and flips off the officer. So I'm like, this is unheard of. Like, as soon as I get out, as soon as she parks and I get out, I have to run because there's going to be people chasing her down. So we go up the street. She she parks the car, like, to the side. I get out. I'm like, thank you very much. She's like, yeah, no problem. Obviously, this chick was in some sort of mood. I don't know what it was, but as soon as I get out of the car, I start speed walking back to my dorm room. And I, I can see the flashing red and blue lights going off. The sirens are going off. Three cop cars pull up behind her. They ask her to step out of her car as I'm speed walking, turning my head, trying to see what happened. Because I knew they would want to question me for something <laughs> if, I stayed, if I stayed there. Uh, they end up arresting her because her entire car is just unseeable because it's just nothing but clouds. I like to call that story hotboxing with Consuela. Her name was Consuela. I don't think she'll be doing much lift driving from here on out. That is the first half of the story. Oh, God. The second half of the story uh, was I went into our local convenience store. It's called The Grid on campus. Um, get in line. There's a giant, there's always a big line. This convenience store is basically everything. It's like a mini Walmart in our campus. I get in line. Uh, I'm waiting to log in. I use my phone ID to pay for things and it was being glitchy for whatever reason, the login. So I was holding up a lot of people. I didn't even realize it. The guy's joking around with me. He's like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people behind you. Let's go like joking around. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I just glanced back. I'm like, how many people are behind me? So there was this chick right behind me, like literally probably a good arm's length, not even chest length away. Like she was right up against me in this place. And like nightclub close, kind of crazy. Yes, like, yeah. exactly. And she was about three inches taller than me. So we weren't exactly face to face. So when I turned around, I just got a smack head on full of cleavage in front of an entire line, in, in front of an entire store of like 35 people. So I turned back around. I didn't even make eye contact with the girl. I was so embarrassed. I turned back around, and the cashier was like, what the hell just happened? He noticed it right off the bat. He's like, oh, man, you still got it. I'm like, oh, man. I grab my stuff. I go, and as I'm leaving, the entire line starts chanting, you still got it. You still got it. That's awesome. I love it. But the thing is, Jared, I never lost it, baby. I don't know what they're chanting. But yeah, I mean, that's the second half of my story. I don't know what I call that, but the entirety of that story is hotboxing with Consuela. So. Yeah, I mean, I that definitely tops. I mean, if we're in that, I, that's, I think that's the second part's embarrassing. The first part's just like, like, okay, like, I don't want to be associated with this. 
So I, I guess I can see the second one did. I think craziness wise, the first story beat me, but the like second one was definitely more embarrassing. The yeah, best I came part of all angles on that one. I wish I could like pull up actual messages with this kid because then the customers, the, then our listeners would be laughing hysterically. Yeah. But I can't because that kind of vi- that's got to violate some HR laws. I don't know, but <clears throat> basically, this guy who had this weird nickname, the Flex, that's that's what this guy's uh, that's what this guy's Twitter handle was, and it was just a bad. See, there's always folks. If you're ever doing a startup, there's always a couple weird dudes who like come in and try to join. Me and Jack have seen a couple here because Jack, you've been here for almost a year, right? Dude, there's been a lot of hits and misses with this. Oh company. yeah, and you know, we've it's a, seen a lot of weirdos coming. Down. Oh yeah, here at Belly Up, we've seen a lot of the uh, the um, ESP, the ESPN for for life rejects come in, and being one of the ESPN uh, finalists that got rejected for a job, I guess I kind of fit in. But um, yeah, so let's kick that smooth jazz on the collab episode of the Corner Booth slash O Show, and ladies and gentlemen, final point. Vontaze Burfitt has been suspended today for an illegal hit on Jack Doyle. Basically, Jack Doyle's on his butt after catching a ball, and Vontaze Burfitt launches himself headfirst with three steps of stopping time and blasts through Doyle like he was a ragdoll. Well-deserved of a year suspension. His repu- and, and for people who know why Burfitt got suspended for a year, it's because of his reputation. ESPN pulled up. He's just been suspended for an illegal hit, I think, every year of his career. So, or at least fined. So, that begs the question. So, a lot of people are making a lot about the Jamal Williams Derek Barnett hit. For those of you who don't know, first play of the game, Jamal Williams gets stood up in the backfield by Sidney Jones and I believe Malcolm Jenkins. In comes De- the, their. This new forward progress rule gets a little dangerous, especially when the running back he's turning their legs, which millions would. Williams did. Derek Barnett, who was a hustle player, if you ever watched an Eagles game, Barnett's always flying around. He's always the always that guy, that last guy in to make the stop. He's always making sure the ball carrier is down. He's a hustle guy. He's a guy you want on your defense. He's very that's what his, his his mo is. And to his credit, to like his mo. Williams is starting to come out of the tackle, and I don't think the guys heard the whistle because Williams kept chugging his legs and the guys weren't going down, and Barnett basically blasted him. Unfortunately, it was helmet to helmet. Knocked Williams down. Yeah, he has a he has a concussion but no neck injury. Williams was knocked over. And I saw multiple people today um, on Facebook, Twitter, Insta, ripping Derek Barnett. And like, why? And even Mark and Kevin were like, oh, don't defend Barnett. I'm going to defend Barnett. Derek Barnett, after that hit, not only went up and apologized and checked on Jamal Williams. That's how I knew this wasn't like, it's just, this is the reason the NFL, everyone's like, why is he even spending? I'm like, that gesture right there is why. Barnett's never been known as a dirty player. And it was a bang, bang play where basically Williams was still chugging his legs and Barnett hit him. The placement of the hit was horrible. I will give you that. If they ejected him, they find him, I would be fine with it. You know why? Because that's the rules. They didn't do it. So if you're not going to eject the guy or, fi- or, sus- or, e- or fine him, don't suspend him. Don't suspend Barnett. The kid's a good player. He has a clean record. There's no reason to pull the trigger on a suspension like that. Vontez Barfict, 
I wouldn't care if he got to, and this isn't even Eagles fan bias. This is a kid who played football. Shaq, I have, there was one time I speared a kid in the head, and I freaked the hell out if I broke his neck. Because basically, I heard his neck crack when I hit him. And I should have gotten kicked out of the game for it, because I lived my head. I was a, I was a guard pulling around. I hit a def- defenseless defensive end coming through the lane. But it's bang, bang. The sport is very fast. And especially when you're a guy like Barnett, who's the last guy on the pile. And if you watch the tape for the 50th time, I'm going to say it again, Jamal Williams was still trying to move his legs and get out of the tackle. He was not going down. The play was not stopping. I am not calling. I'm just saying like that you cannot compare the two. And that's why I made this my last call is because I do get how, why people are upset about the hit. Because Jamal Williams is on a stretcher. That's emo- highly emotional. And if I was in the reverse, I'd be probably yelling the same thing. I'd be yelling for, if it was like Zendaria Smith knocking the daylights out of Jordan Howard and he's walking off on a stretcher, if he's coming off on a stretcher, I'd be calling for him to get suspended too. But here's the end thing at the end of the day, and this is for all injuries. I'm happy they didn't suspend John. John Jonathan Jones hit was dirtier. That one I could see maybe a one-game suspension. But some of these helmet-to-helmet hits are so bang-bang. An ejection or a fine is fine. But calling for suspension is where I draw the line. That's why maybe I'm defending this so much. And this isn't taking a shot at anybody. I'm just saying literally that all fans. Because I saw all over my Facebook today. Because I have a lot, a lot of my friends from South Bay are Packers fans, ironically. And one of them was in my fantasy league. And him and his mom were going at it saying the play call, the refs were crappy. And Baronet Shibbon is suspended. And I'm like, why? It was a bang-bang play. If they're not going to kick him out of the game, I think by NFL rule they can't eject him. Like, I think Burfitt got ejected, if I'm correct. Right, yeah. Yeah, so if you can't, if you don't eject him, he can't be suspended by any means. And I mean, he, he said it himself, too. Like, he didn't try to harm him. He didn't hear the whistle. Thank you. Yeah, he didn't hear the whistle. Barnett didn't hear the goddamn whistle. So he thought the play was still going on. It wasn't like he aimed for his head. That's the point I think people are missing here. And I think that's the problem. And also maybe it's because I'm defending him so much. Because yes, Barnett is probably one of my favorite players. But it's because of plays like this. It's the hustle. He's a hustle player. He's not a dirty player. He just makes... He's the guy who's going to finish a tackle. And Williams, if you look at the run, two guys were not stopping him. He was churning his legs. And this forward progress rule is probably the core of this issue. Because the refs need to really stop the play. Not just pull the whistle. They need to, like, like stop the play if they're going to do this. They can't, like, have it. Because I've seen forward progress where, like, the running back keeps turning his legs anyway, even though the whistle won't, and then gets body slammed. Then they'll call a penalty. This one just happened to end with a freak hit, which I guarantee Barnett wasn't even looking to hit. He was just trying to hit the kid. At least knock him over to stop the play. Canera got the loss of yardage. So I'm defending Barnett today because I feel like he's getting unjustly attacked. Because and another thing here too, like this is a contact sport. If you don't go full steam ahead, you're gonna get hurt anyway. And this is their livelihoods, you know. Yeah. Like even he said that. Yeah. Like, he's not trying to hurt the guy, but at the same time, this is his livelihood. He didn't hear the whistle. He obviously still thought the play was going on. So to yeah, me. No. It's a bad situation for him, but yeah, I'm on your side here. I, I, I definitely I definitely get why some fans are upset this morning. I do. And I, I if like I said before, if this was flipped and it was in Dario Smith and it was Jordan Howard, I'd be screaming and yelling too. And it may, it's not even fan bias here. 
I just think that unfortunately sometimes, and this is maybe it's kind of so common about because I played high school ball. I was around college players. I know guys who play in the NFL. It's not, it's, it's a, you could ask our friend of the show, Ju- Juice Williams, or Juice Johnson. You could ask my boys, Jerome Cunningham, plays for the uh, Titans right now. He, he bounced around. He always up practice once I didn't. It's bang bang. Even in high school, the speed is. Even in high school, the speeds. When you're in the trenches, you just get knocked around from any angle. And the thing is, at the end of the day, on plays like that, it's dangerous. And then you see, it's like this all the time. This would be a non-story if Barnett hit him in the shoulder. If Barnett's helmet hit him in the shoulder pad. It was just unfortunate placement. And I think that's where we got to leave. I think on a bang-bang play, you can't suspend somebody like that. Even that's why I don't think you really can suspend Jones either from the Patriots. Vontaze no. perfect. There was clear intent. And this is coming from a kid who's, like, you know, I played linebacker. I played tackle. I played D-end. So I've seen this. It's not easy to make these calls. So, but, um, last couple, call. What would you say? Can I give you my last call? Go for it. So uh, it, was, it became a very apparent to me last night in the Cowboys-Saints game that the referees could not make up their mind. They were throwing flags left and right. They were always coming together and being like, nope, sorry, we effed up. There's no flag on the play. Fans were getting restless. Colin, or Chris Collinsworth was getting restless. Jim Nance was getting restless. Make up your effing minds. Let's get Al it. Michaels. Al Michaels, not Jim Nance. Oh, it was Al Michaels. You're right. Jim Nance was with uh, Tony. My bad. Thanks for the correction. But yeah, get, make up your minds. This this ain't ballet. This, this the is XFL bad this year. The refs have been so bad this year. And uh, yeah, you got a point though. The refs have been... I, I, that's a good uh, last call. That was the first time I've actually shared a last call with somebody. So Jack, congratulations. Wow. Is the smooth jazz playing right now? It's playing currently right now. So this ends your show. This ends my show. I do. So the smooth you- jazz ends your show. You know how the O show ends. Uh, hit it, Hootie. Yeah, but I actually have to make a shout-out first. You said it. You said the sign-off. All right, all right. Well, here's the, while he's playing as Hootie and the Blowfish, um, I want to give a couple shout-outs quick. Um, last week, we were without our two co-hosts, Savannah and Kevin. Kevin, we got graduated. We got his first big boy job. He's a, he's a staff accountant at a uh, old folks' home. And, of course, our lovely co-host, Savannah, is coming back this week. Or possibly next week. She's also bringing her first official segment. She hasn't told me what it is yet, but she's doing it up and getting it ready. So next week, hopefully, we are at full strength again. Kevin will probably be back for our second episode Wednesday or Thursday. Jack, thank you again so much, buddy, for coming on. Hey, thanks for coming on to you as well. Coming on to me. Okay, yeah, I, 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 your, your wording there is a little off. But, yeah, for the first ever collaboration Corner Booth Osho podcast – for me, Jared, Mark, and Savannah, and Kevin, the Corner Booth crew, and for Jack's Osho crew as well, thank you all. Check out the Osho, Belly Up Sports, Be Bold, Stand Out. Check out the Corner Booth, check out the Osho, check out Chairgating. A lot of great NASCAR interviews. Oh, happen. don't plug those nuts. E50 <laughs> Booking. The Osho is also presented by TickPick. A lot of ticket giveaways coming out for the postseason as well as NFL Week 5, so stay tuned for that. You got your smooth jazz. I'm going to finish it out. Hit it, Hootie. Thanks for listening to the Corner Booth Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and on Twitter at Corner Booth Pod.